Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, and I'm here with my friend and colleague and co-author Nancy Saxton Lopez. And this is a program that we deliver live every every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and it is broadcast as a video cast on Facebook and YouTube. It's then available on those outlets and also on a number of podcast outlets for you to listen to anytime that it might make sense for you to to take the time to engage with us. And we like very much for you to be part of this conversation. We see this very much as an exchange. And so we want to let you know that you can get in touch with us directly. You can reach me at kenddv at gmail.com. And you can reach Nancy at nsaxtonlopez at csmpc.com. That's N-S-A-X-T-O-N-L-O-P-E-Z at csmpc.com. We do this broadcast because the issue of pet loss has been close to our hearts for a very long time. Nancy started facilitating a pet loss group in New Jersey more than 30 years ago. I joined her for 11 of those years. And together we wrote a book called The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups. And when we got familiar with this medium that we're using right now, we wanted to use it because we wanted to not only share some of the wisdom that we gained from all the people who participated in those groups, but also to extend that and to reach a broader audience. And so we're very happy that you're with us. And as I said, we very much like for you to join us through sending us an email or leaving us a voicemail. You can do that by clicking on the link that is attached to the anchor site and it will show up on the other broadcast sites as well the podcast sites. We also want you to know that this program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society, which is in Springfield, Massachusetts. Dakin is a 501c3 community supported animal welfare organization that provides a wealth of services, including shelter and medical care and spay neuter services, behavioral rehab for more than 20,000 animals and people every year. Since opening in 1969, Dakin has become one of the most recognized nonprofit organizations in Central Mass, and a national leader in animal welfare. And you can learn more about Dakin and make a donation, which we hope you do, at dakinhumane.org. That's D-A-K-I-N-H-U-M-A-N-E.org. Also, I'd like you, like you to know that I'm facilitating an interactive Zoom pet loss support meeting. And that is going to, it was face-to-face in person on site at Dakin, but we're going to start doing it as a Zoom starting on our next meeting, which is June 14th. Cool. And that's at 6 p.m. It runs from 6 to 7.30 p.m. And if you'd like to join that meeting, and I invite you to do so, you can go to the Dakin site, same one I just mentioned, and you can you can RSVP. It would be helpful for Dakin to know that you're going to join and you will get the link. So it'd be great to have you join wherever you are. You could be part of that conversation. So also I'd like you to think about subscribing on YouTube. And also if you have a mind to, you can give us some support. You can see that there's a Venmo. There's information on Venmo and PayPal in the description, and you can also subscribe if you'd like to become a monthly subscriber. So with that said, Nancy, would you like to get us started? 
We have a lot. Um, tonight, we're going to delve into, we have a few emails that were sent to us and have a lot to do with caretaking families, um, how families interact together around grieving. Um, and Ken, I think that you can read Evelyn's, you know, yep. um, uh, email that she sent about her beautiful little Pino, um, who was a sweet little cat. And then we can talk about it and I will, I will read Jim and Joe's. Okay. So um, we can, I know Evelyn's is long, so she has we'll a lot through. to say. Yeah, absolutely. And it, as Nancy said, we we see the theme as this, of, as uh, as being about how family history creates a big part of the context that shapes the way we understand our relationships, not only with other people but also with our animal companions. And these these letters that we got illustrate that in a really profound sort of way. Mm -hmm. So I'll start with, as Nancy said, reading from oh. Evelyn. My name is Evelyn. I came across your podcast shortly after the passing of my beloved cat, Pino. She unfortunately passed on Mother's Day, mm -hmm. May 8th, and I started listening to your podcast after trying to find some comfort on my one-hour commute to work. I wanted to write sooner, but couldn't pull it together to type it out physically. I'm so grateful for your insight, mission, and the stories people share. It's helped me tremendously. It's really important to note that hearing stories, even though they're painful, many people will talk about how helpful it is to hear other yes. people's accounts. It helps people to feel less alone. It helps to gain some self-understanding and ability to reflect, to gain perspective. So that's, that's why if you... If you send and us, some people a, don't know how to do that. They don't know how to write it out. So for those who do, it's helpful for the those that can't. Yeah, and if you and if you send us a story, please do, let us know whether it's okay to share mm -hmm. or not. And if you'd like us to share by shielding while shielding your name, we're happy to do that as well. Mm -hmm. And also, if you send us a story or a question, we'll respond to you whether or not you're comfortable with us. Uh, sharing it because we know that for some people that just might not be. It's hard. I don't know even where to start. I am my 93 year old grandmother's caregiver in in-home hospice care. I need to pull it together because I already broke down twice in front of her. I'm shaking right now as I have anxiety and immense frustration. I also apologize in advance. If my email is long, no need to apologize, Evelyn. That's fine. It's fine for it to be long. I've listened to most, if not all, of the recordings and agree with everything both of you have said. Writing to you will help me further and anyone else who can relate to my story feel better as I did. Please feel free to share. I loved Kitty growing up and when I was 14, so she's talking about a cat that she grew up with, I had the op opportunity to adopt a cat through a high school friend. She brought over several kittens and I immediately was drawn to Pino all white, super fluffy, with huge green mesmerizing eyes. And Pino was indeed a beautiful cat. We know that. Pino would play fetch with a hair tie. She would do somersaults and sleep on top of my head. Growing up was hard because I am the eldest of three and I was made to feel like I was not allowed to cry. I could scream all I wanted and not be heard. 
I would run to my grandmother or my cat for comfort as they seemed to care the most. I loved my parents and family, but I never felt close enough to express myself fully. Both of my parents are deaf mute. Communication was not the best at home. It became tough during my adolescent years as I had a lot of teen angst that eventually became a severe ongoing depression. Family around me did not help either as I was told big girls don't cry and I needed to be tough. I was too emotional. They, those are the things that she was told. I would lock myself in my room and find comfort holding my pino so she could put so she, I would hold her to my chest so my anger would go away. It's almost like Pino was absorbing right. her anger. Every time I had an issue, I would run to her and she would stare at me. Immediately, I felt better and I knew that everything would be okay. We had 16 beautiful years. I longed for more, as we always do, and I wish I could turn back to change the events that happened. I feel immense guilt. I previously moved out for two years for college and left her under the care of my mother. I didn't want to keep her moving around. Pino had company at home with another cat we had adopted. While I was away, I got two bit pit bulls and my fiance, Pino would scare my dogs. She was tough. So she couldn't have them together, I guess. Eventually I moved back home and I'm having a hard time remembering if I paid enough attention to her with the addition of my new dogs. It became chaos. Pino did not get along with the dogs. She would go after them. Then my father got a chihuahua and the house was super noisy, which Pino hated. Time passed by and Pino fell ill in 2019. She now had diabetes and was on insulin twice a day. It seemed it, it became a routine for us and I was happy to care for her and have that one-on-one -on -one, one moment twice a day. She went into remission. Therefore, we all helped each other in the house to be as peaceful as possible, even though it didn't always work. In the back of my mind now, I wonder if all the stress added to Pino mm -hmm. during her final days. My grandmother fell ill at the end of 2021 with congestive heart failure. I thought I would lose her then. I left a job I hated anyway to take care of her full time. I became very bitter with my family as I felt I had immense responsibility that I could never put myself first. I decided to go back to school and get my master's recently and the, with the need to make more money to support all the bills piling up. Pino fell ill once again on April 20th. I took her to the ER and I was told her sugar levels were out of control and now she has developed kidney issues. I paid around 5,000 for her to stay two days. She seemed well for the first week and I'm pleased to take care of her and keep an eye out for her. I almost, I almost sheltered her too much and I shouldn't have done that. During this time, I became even more frustrated because I asked jokingly if anybody in my family could help me with her insulin shots, just in case I ever wanted to go on vacation or go out. The response wasn't to my liking. I kept coming home tired from work and taking out my frustration on my parents and fiance. Pino fell ill once again around my birthday, May 4th. I called the ER several times to seek insight as to whether I should wait it out for her to follow for her follow-up appointment on the 6th or if I should take her back to the ER. This time she lost a lot of weight. 
She was drinking a lot of water and was constipated. I also didn't have enough funds to match what I had to pay last time. I was in denial and kept saying she would bounce back as always. On the night of May 7th, she did not entirely eat her food. She started grinding her teeth and just seemed so lethargic. Even feeling this way, she would still follow me around into the bathroom and meow at me whenever possible. I procrastinated so much that I left my final exam for Sunday, Mother's Day. Sunday morning, Pino once again did not eat. Under stress, I said, okay, let's just go to the ER. She'll be fixed up and get home soon, just like she did last time. She didn't want to get into her carriage. She was looking for food, and I rushed through getting her in her carriage because all I could think of was failing my classes. Mm -hmm. I never thought I would have to put her to sleep. The vet came out and told me she was severely ill. She had developed a heart murmur. Her teeth needed to be surgically removed. Her bowels were backed up. She was dehydrated. And if they did help her, she would fall ill again anyway. I was getting longevity of a few more months. I was given longevity of a few more months. I'm sorry. I didn't know what to do and I did not want to burden my family. It was as it was Mother's Day and a family member's birthday. I opted to put her to sleep, thinking it was lessening her pain. It all happened so fast that I wish I could have taken the option to take her back home for a proper send-off. I held her in my arms and thanked her for everything she did for me. Even then, she wanted to get up, and I asked the vet if she was lucid or in pain. The vet said yes to both of those things, and I'm having a hard time believing that now. Once I left the ER, an ugly, rainy day had turned into a bright, sunshine-filled day. It felt bittersweet. Words cannot describe what it felt like to leave empty-handed. I struggled to go home that day and face her absence. I swear I could hear footsteps around the house in a distant purr. I still felt her presence in the bathroom area where she used to eat and sleep. I find myself doing the weirdest things, like picking and collecting her white fur around the house and placing pictures of her where she last sat to watch me as she as she was as if she was still there my fiance friends and family have been a tremendous support i am taken back on because i felt like i did not have this before i'm taken aback because i didn't feel like i had this before everyone is giving me enough space to cry and grieve i even rekindled some lost friendships all this sounds great, but my chest feels heavy. I spent a lot of time reflecting on where I should have done better, or if I had just taken her to the ER earlier, she might still be here. The image of me rushing her into her carriage and her not wanting to go and wanting to eat her last meal is still stuck in my head, and I hate myself every day. I'm so angry at my choices under shock, and I don't think I'll ever be able to forgive myself no matter how much I try to process things. I cry in the shower and before I sleep. I constantly have a note in my, a knot in my throat like I did before she came into my life. I know only time will lessen the intensity, but I can't see my life the same way. I appreciate that I have a great support system now at 31, something I longed for as a child but I'd rather have my Pinot back. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I will handle life after my grandma passes, and I cannot help to feel, but feel like a failure. I would like to hear your insight on my story, and my heart goes out to 
everyone who has or is experiencing loss. I'm looking forward to the new recording at six o'clock. Again, thank you for all that you do. A lot here. A lot, yeah, yeah. I mean, I what the, the amazing part of the story is, I mean, she. it appears that she's been a born caretaker, right? And, yeah. and, and, you know, she takes care of her grandmother. She's taking care of her, her animals, especially Pino. And she didn't really have the feeling that her nuclear family, um, not her grandmother, but her parents were really um, supportive of her. Right. And yet right. through this process, it completely changed. Yeah. And it sounds like remarkable. Yeah. It sounds like her grandmother and Pino were the sources of solace and comfort all from her teenage years onward. And And the pressures she felt, right? Here she was taking care of her grandma. Well, there were pressures all along. She was in school and, and she didn't feel, you know, she had support. And then she ended up having to go to college. And then she, you know, all of a sudden her grandmother was sick and she left college to take or you know, take care of her job, to take care of her grandmother. And all that while, then we get into those issues of guilt, right? So, after, you know, did I do enough? I needed to spend more time with her, you know, should I have taken her to the ER faster? You know, you know, but she had tests and she was upset that her family was, yeah, well, we don't know if we can really help you out. So the, the amazing part is this woman has done so incredibly much for whoever is in her life, right? Well, yeah, and she's so, the thing, one of the things that strikes me about Evelyn is how resourceful she is. Yes. That she's in a family where she feels like she doesn't have a lot of support from her parents. I mean, many people grow up with that situation. Yeah, it sounds very, yeah. very stressful for her. And she creates a great support through her grandmother, and who her she's cat. very, very connected to, and her cat, who becomes a real a physical source of support. She holds her in a way that she feels warms her heart. And, and then, as you said, she goes on to be a caregiver Mm -hmm. and she acknowledges that she is dealing with anxiety and depression. It sounds like dealing with it very constructively. And then she's talking about all of the various ways that people experience grief. I mean, all of the grief that she's talking about, it's very, very intense because it's very new, but none of it is, none of it makes me worry for her health. It just makes me feel like she's in the very early stages of extraordinary grief and that that's really normal and, and incredibly challenging. And while she's, you know, this kind of, she describes things really well, this kind of tightness and heaviness in her her chest. And in her throat too. Yeah. In her throat. The thing that another thing that strikes me is the 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 predicament that you get into with the cost. And we've talked about this before, where here we have a person who is not, it sounds like a multimillionaire, and she has to pay five thousand dollars for a couple days of her cat being in the hospital. And then very shortly thereafter, she has she reaches the possibility of that happening again with the idea that it's probably not going to prolong 
her cat's life and her cat is actually suffering quite a bit with a, a whole bunch of different things. Her right. teeth are hurting. She's extraordinarily constipated. She's, she's got um, diabetes that's out yeah, of control. She's, she's dehydrated. And so she makes the, what is undeniably the right decision to end right. her suffering at that point. And, and all of the blame and all the regret and all this, you know, like she's procrastinating. It reminds me so much of a situation I had with one of my chihuahuas who we were being, we were in treatment with our local vet for quite a while and she was not doing well. And at a certain point I said, I got to take her to the specialists at the university of Pennsylvania. I made an appointment to do that. And I'll always, I'll always remember the appointment was on a Wednesday and on Monday she died because mm-hmm. I felt like we were going to be able to make it to Wednesday. And it, I really identified with Evelyn's story right. in that regard, because, you know, you're always thinking, well, you know, we've got these resources in place. We're doing everything we can. I'll get her to the emergency room when it seems dire enough. For, for me, it was, I'll get her to the, to the UPenn specialist, but we didn't know, you know, we didn't know that she was that close to death. And Evelyn didn't know that Pino was that close to death That's right. because we don't, we aren't soothsayers. We don't know the future. No. We do the we're best. Not, we we're can. not veterinarians. We don't, yeah. you know, we also live with our animals and the pressures, the pressure she had at the end. Yeah, she's crazy. trying to get her, she's got to get her final exam done. Yeah, I mean, it's significant yeah. for her, right? I mean, yes. and, and, but she had, she had so much resilience in going through this. And yes, yeah, she's frustrated with herself and she says she hates herself because maybe she should have done this. And we have to reach out to her and say, Evelyn, you know, you are such a good pet parent. You're yeah. such a good caretaker to your yeah. grandmother. You know, yeah, you and- have no cause. You need to love yourself. You need yeah. to be gentle with yourself. You you have absolutely no cause to be angry at yourself. However, we always imp- it's important to say, of course, that's true. But of course, grief has its own course. Yes. You're likely to feel these things. And the best you can do is just notice that you feel them, but try not to get wrapped up in them. Try to just let it go when it happens, recognizing that you were an incredible caregiver to this wonderful little soul, Pino. And, and that's the best that anybody could have done. And, and it's, it's actually quite astonishing how focused you were and how much care you yes. gave given all of the stuff that was going on around you at the time, all the commitments you had, all the responsibility, all the pressures, and yet you followed through and did everything you possibly could. And so hats off to you. And, and right. we're, we're, we're looking at this situation saying there's absolutely no reason to feel bad about what you did or to feel regretful, but understanding you probably will for a while. It'll, it'll, it'll tamp down over time. But that's just the nature of the process. And also she has, there's a little bit of hope here, right? Her Mm -hmm. family has come around. Her fiance is very supportive. She's found some great friends. friends. You know, when she walked out of, of of the veterinarian's office after Pino died, the sunshine came out. Yep. And so there was this, this, she feels, she had felt like a failure, but she, and we know that she is not a failure, yeah. but there, she does appreciate, you know, these new things that have come into her life, yeah. you know, these new, the new born relationships she has. 
And we really want to thank Evelyn. That was a hard, thank you so much. Hard, yeah, that's a hard, hard story to share, and it's going to resonate for a lot of people. And so we hope that you can take some solace in that as well, Evelyn. This is going to be helpful for a lot of people. So and now Nancy, we'll go wanna... to Jim and Joe. Now, um, this is a, a little bit of a similar kind of situation. Um, so Jim writes, I've been comforted by your podcast um, and book, which is nice, especially where you discuss the guilt and the false notion that we must be all knowing when ending the life of your pet. Um, without delving too deeply in my childhood, I became my mom's emotional blanket growing up. And how many times have we had people in therapy that have been given that role to be the caretaker of someone in the family, yep. parents or one parent or siblings. I mean, this is just not uncommon. Yep. Uh, my role was to make her happy or rather keep her from being sad. My father was not a great husband. And so I was, I felt burdened with this responsibility and that's a tough burden for a child, right? Yeah. For yeah. any child. Yep. Um, so to this year, um, my wife and I have had our beloved black Labrador, Joe, for 12 years, who is now showing the signs of her age and breed, including arthritis, cancer, of course, uh, you know, bedwetting, she's blind, you know, some deafness, um, some problems with breathing. Um, and she's also becoming anxious, right? She was becoming very anxious. And I think that that happens with any animal that is elderly that has a lot of different, different problems. Yeah, a lot of infirmities and losing and losing some of their perception functions as well exactly so he became joe's emotional caretaker right emotional mm -hmm. and physical caretaker um so so he stayed with her over a period of time he made sure that she got what she needed he that she was happy to the best way she could be that he fed her and loved her and and gave her her meds and took her out and just really was all around her per, um you know her person mm -hmm. um there was a panic as they couldn't get the gabapentin in. um so they did agree to take her to the vet. Um, and it was really at the end stage of her life. And so they did give some pain medication to her, took her home, and she was euthanized in the house. Um, so he's feeling guilty. Um, because they couldn't get the pain medication in the usual that's right. way. Yeah. That's right. The gabapentin, right. yeah. Um, so she he's still thinking that joe should be alive um but i mean she she was dying and they did everything he did everything he possibly could have done for that beautiful that beautiful joe yeah and it's almost like he wanted somehow to be a superhero, which well, we yeah, right. He wanted right, and the more you give and do what you're supposed to do, isn't that mean that your animal will live, right? Yeah, 
And so, it, I mean, it's wonderful all that he did, but this idea that you can cheat death is something that most of us carry because we, we don't we want desperately for our beloved animal friend to be with us for longer. Of course. But these are, these are forces way beyond our control. And, you know, the, the thing about, the thing about this history to me is that he transformed it into something really noble when it comes to this relationship with his dog. I mean, it sounds like he's, he's been able to look at his history. So when somebody says something like I was an extraordinary, I was, cast in the role of my parents parent essentially that's right and, a lot of people are parental yeah side. and and i understand that now and i can see how that's that's made me feel overly responsible in some other important relationships the the ability to observe that and to understand it is extraordinarily powerful and good right. because now he can he can be mindful about that and That's to try right. to check himself when he sees that he's he's going to he's far. taking on too much. Yeah, he's or, taking on too you much. Know, so he exactly. needs to take care of himself, right, Jim? You need yeah. to take care of yourself and realize that Boogie just came in. That sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, you may it, it will be easy for you to do a lot for someone, but you don't necessarily have to. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, of course they panicked if they couldn't get his pain yeah. meds and they knew he was in pain. They knew their dog was suffering. And so they wanted to make sure that that suffering was at least, at least mediated by the pain meds. And they made a decision that, you know, most, of, you can see this in Evelyn's story too. Most of the times, not all the times, but many, many times, I don't know if I should say most of the time, but many times the decision to euthanize is a fairly pressured decision yes, because it is. circumstances are changing rapidly right. and either you, because you're observing the behavior of your pet or you in consultation with the veterinary staff will suddenly, it'll feel sudden like it's time. And so there, and, and then around that, there's a whole envelope of what you could describe as panic. Right. And and I know that I've experienced that many, yeah. many times. It's like you know all of a sudden it's, it's there, right? All you're, of a sudden you're because you, it's this whole difference between anticipatory grief and the actual crisis exactly. of the the moment of transition and the process of transition. And so the 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 panic I would describe as typical of many situations in which the the end is is suddenly rapidly approaching. Right. And, and you have to make a quick decision. And so I would take away the word panic and just say, we had to do what we had to do, making the best decision we could and in a very short right. interval of time. Right. And actually it was good judgment yes. because the fact that they couldn't get the medication into their dog was evidence of how how far gone Joe maybe not could even swallow it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're how far along their condition was. So I hope that Jim and his wife are able to feel better about this over time. I'm sure they will. And to see their decision as the right decision that they made for Joe under pressured circumstances, which is so often the case. And how wonderful so a pet parent 
yep. he is and she yep. and she was so we want to thank, thank them you. as well for sharing this story we know that people will relate to it i can relate yep. to it on yes. a couple of losses and so again it's always helpful to others to hear these stories. So. Yeah, please send us your stories. And, you know, I thought about this, Ken. Maybe if you have ideas or thoughts about some of the stories. Yeah, that that's true. In, How they relate to you. And we can get in touch with be, those folks. Because they would they would be happy to hear, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. We actually have heard that on a case. We've heard from people saying that a particular story was very, very helpful for them. And yeah. Well, Nancy, as always, it's it's great to talk with you and to share this this time. And and thank you both, Evelyn and Jim, for sending us your your stories. And we hope that the conversation today offers you perhaps a, a, a bit more in terms of solace and peace. And peace. Take care, everyone. Mm -hmm.